Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets. This Monday, Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day whenever you need it. I'm Doug Branson, joined uh, by Justin Thomas from ESPN Charlotte. How you doing, Justin? Oh, I'm, I'm all smiles, man. I, I love talking basketball. How about yourself, man? Good. Yeah, we got some NBA playoffs to talk about. Plus, uh, Rich Cho had a press conference back on Friday and had some very interesting things to say. We will break that down, get some analysis going on. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. Uh, All right, let's uh, start with just a little NBA playoffs chat. We had uh, night two of this, um, you know, all these first-round series. Justin, what did you think? Had Had some good games last night. Oh, uh, man, I know a lot of people like to dump on the NBA, but, man, I love the NBA playoffs. And, and it didn't disappoint to start. You had Cleveland go down to the wire with Pacers. My man James Harden delivering with 37. Um, I mean, the Chris Paul doing everything he could, and they still find a way to lose. I mean, it was it was everything you could ask for in the, in the uh, opening weekend. Yeah, Bucks Raptors I thought was really good. Almost everything that I wanted it to be, it was an up and down affair, a showcase of Milwaukee's incredible athleticism, including uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is absolutely turning into a star and soon to become superstar in this league. Um, but Toronto didn't show up with their skill, and that's why I say it was almost everything I wanted it to be. Uh, 21.7% from long range. Kyle Lowry, who, to be fair, is getting back from injury, but I thought he looked just absolutely terrible. And the Toronto Raptors getting bullied inside by Greg Monroe, by Giannis. Uh, yes, Jonas Valanciunas just can't hold uh, much of his own uh, down there defensively. This could very well be an upset series. Uh, Milwaukee, the sixth seed. Toronto, the third seed. Uh, but the one thing that I've gathered from these first couple of days in the NBA playoffs, Justin, is that you can tell which of these series are just going to be all jacked up and which series are, are going to go through the motions. And, I, you know, yeah. I feel like Warriors, Blazers, uh, that one's going to go through the motions. You know, Warriors probably win that four or five. And uh, Spurs, Grizzlies feels like we're just sort of, it feels rote. You know, we're just kind of going through the motions. But, I agree. But Thunder, even though the Rockets' Thunder uh, final score was lopsided in favor of the Rockets, you just look at the way that game started, and you can tell that not only are Russell and James looking to go at one another, but this both teams seem just really, really pumped up for this matchup. Cavs, Pacers the same way. Uh, Bulls, Celtics, Bucks, Raptors. These series are going to be fantastic. It's a good time to be a fan of the NBA. 
Oh man, it is it is going to be great. And um, I remember you you mentioned uh, the Raptors. I I saw a stat the other day that um, it said Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan rank amongst the top five in, in the NBA's worst of play um, of playoff shooting with a minimum of five hundred um, attempts. I believe Kyle Lowry was number two, I think, on that list, and DeMar DeRozan was five. Yeah. I was like, these guys are way too talented to go out here and be nine of 37. So I would like to see if they can shake that narrative. Um, so that would be fun to watch going forward. Also, I thought that a lot of these series, uh, Bulls-Celtics came down to Jimmy Butler, ISO. Uh, Pacers-Cavs came down to an ISO play at the end of the game, uh, Paul George, and then Jazz Clippers you had ISO Joe, Joe Johnson yeah. having the advantage. It, pl- it proves the old NBA adage that, you know, no matter how much we worship ball movement in the regular season, and it's still important, you know, overall in the playoffs, but a lot of these games come down to who has the best player and yep. who has the best isolation player, the player that you give the ball to and say, go get me a bucket. And, and LeBron proved that he's one of the best, you know, just cerebral ISO stoppers with that double team that he put on. And I don't – look, get out of here, J.A. Adande, with that picture of Lance Stevenson <laughs> open under the basket. Forget <laughs> that. Like, there's no way that Paul George – is getting that ball through because in no. real when I watched it in real time I did see Lance Stevenson under the basket but I immediately thought do not pass that because no, you have you, a risk yeah you had Rich Je- you had uh, um, Jefferson you had uh, LeBron all of those experts at getting there and stealing the basketball plus you had you had the double team coming but also uh, Paul George's defender was up in his shirt so that was not going to be a clean pass. No, and Paul George is a smart enough basketball player. To like, hey, I'm I'm not making that. Like that doesn't because if you make that pass, what are you saying, Paul George? You're, you're a big time player. Why are you forcing that right there? there there's no need to force that. Because when I saw the picture, I was like, yeah, hey, I mean, I kind of get your point, but I'm like, no, not. There was too much space in between trying to get that ball from George to Stevenson. No chance. But I say it, it was fun, and um, I don't think CJ Miles will ever be a uh, Try to take a game winner as long as him and Paul George on the floor together. But hey, it's good drama. I like that. It's easy to circle a player in a freeze frame. It's much harder easy. in that situation to see that, to execute that pass. Um, and not a lot of players in this league can execute that pass to get it in mm-hmm. there that strong. And then, and then it, you know, it's, it's up to that player to catch it too. Oh yeah, like so, it, it, it takes effort on both parties. Like you yeah. got to, you got to be sharp was, to make that. I say, hey, don't take that. Risk. No, they got a good shot. I felt like CJ Miles, good shooter. They they got a good shot. It didn't go in. Yeah, all That's right. All, I agree. Okay, let's talk about uh, Rich Cho, general manager of the Charlotte Hornets, had a press conference. His exit interview interaction with the media had some interesting things to say. Justin, you were on the scene. Uh, what was uh, what were some of the more interesting things that Rich Cho? had to say for himself and the Charlotte Hornets team after a disappointing season. I like this because listening to Cho and listening to Clifford and listening to the players, there's real disappointment. And I think after winning 48 wins last year, going to the game seven, really feeling like there's a chance that you should have won that series in advance in the second round. This year, there were a lot of expectations. 
And I think this season, going into it, I felt like the Hornets looked at themselves as, as some American muscle, and the result on the floor was more of a, of a finesse mini Cooper. And now there is change. Clifford came out and said, hey, we need to do some things different. And Joe came out as well, and he said some really good things that I make for great talking points. He touched on Nick Batum that we can get into. He talked about what they're going to look for as far as addressing the bench and a rim protector. And also my favorite thing is, um, and I quote, he said, we have, well, actually not his exact words, but I'll paraphrase. And he said, you know, we're going to look to address some things. And we have uh, valued players around the league. So we have some flexibility for trades also. So I think this summer can be great. So wherever you want to start, Doug, we can go there. Well, let's start Let's start there. The, he, he basically profiled the situation that the Hornets will face in the offseason. Let's take a listen to that. Yeah, we're tight cap space-wise. Uh, we're over the cap, so we'll be able to use our, our mid-level exception. Uh, uh, we're under the tax. Um, so we'll have some flexibility there, but um, you know we, we do have players that uh, are, are valued around the league too. So we'll have some flexibility there uh, as far as trades as well. Cho only renewed through next season. A tight cap situation going to have to if they really want to significantly change this roster and want to look from you know some exter- you know external sources to fix what's what ails them. Um, it's going to be difficult, and, and the pressure is on Rich Cho to make those changes. I don't know how much I agree, though, Justin, that some of these players that are that are going to be available for trade have a ton of value. Just because you look at the guys that that you would think uh, would would bring you back something significant, a Frank Kaminsky, um, Nick Batum. I guess Cody Zeller would be the one player that you would say, yeah, that guy had a great season, could have some sneaky value to some teams. But Frank Kaminsky, MKG, Nick Batum all had up and down seasons. I just don't know the value. And that's assuming that Kimball Walker is untouchable. Oh, yes. And I think what I liked about it is I think once you get that, once you get that taste of winning, it brings the expectation. And when those expectations are met, that turns into pressure. And I, I think you see it, and I like it, because Cho, you didn't really make any excuses. He said, hey, I, I, I spoke with Batum. Um, he said, hey, we, we, need you, we need you to be the cog that makes the wheel work. Because like, you remember going into the season, it was, hey, Nick, play your game. We don't want you to step outside of your game. We don't want you doing anything that make you uncomfortable. Yeah, I have, his, I have his audio on that. Let's take a listen oh, to that. that. Go ahead. Nick is... is the kind of guy that is is probably too unselfish, um, maybe to a fault. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, he's got to take more of a burden at times. Uh, but he, he's kind of the cog that makes the wheel work. He, he helps Kemba play better. Um, really all our guys, he's good for Cody and, and, and really everyone on the team. But that, that's what makes him a good player. So you're, you're, you're totally right, Justin. You know, coming off a 48-win season, you re-sign Nick Batum to that big contract, and then all of the talk in the offseason was, you know, Nick Batum does not have to change his game. Nick Batum's going to mm-hmm. play his game, and everything's going to be fine. And then it wasn't fine. And, and yeah. not all of that is on Nick Batum, but you see that when things are not fine, you're suddenly looking to everyone for answers, 
and you hear Rich Cho singing a much different tune than was was being um, than was being uh, 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 sung in the previous offseason, saying you know he has to take more of a burden on himself. It, it probably, I, I mean, I would assume he means in, in terms of scoring, but I would also say on defense as well. I mean, he has to take, oh, yeah. he has to be more accountable on the defensive end as well, and say, look, I am the second best player on this team. I can't be the fifth or sixth worst defensive player on this team. Oh no, because you remember people were like, well, Kemba needs a number two. Um, they need to go out and get this scoring. Well, show, let it be known. Well, we're not going out looking for a number two right now. The number two is on this roster, and his name is Nicholas Batum. We, yeah, and exactly. I, they need I him like to it. be a number two, not play like oh, yeah. a number two. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you, a number you have two. to do it. And what I liked about it is <laughs> I feel like Nick Nick has accepted that challenge because Nick always goes and plays with the French national. It's like, Nick, no, 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 no. We, this summer, this is you're focusing on yourself. Like, yeah, we paid you $120 million, and we say we don't want you to change your game. Well, we need a little more from you. And what we need from you is to focus on your game. And Nick says, okay, you're right. I do need to focus on my game. There's some things I need to tighten up. No French national team. I will be in Charlotte working on my game. So I think it has people wondering if the Hornets will abandon the Nick Batum experiment very early. If you say, look, I, you know, maybe this didn't work out. This contract wasn't, um, you know, a good contract. Let's see if we can find some value on the trade market. And, but it's just tough because he didn't play well. Did. What, what you leverage, can't. what leverage do you have? I, I saw, uh, I believe uh, T-Bone from WFNC float a, you know, Mello's two years for Nick Batum's four years. But that presupposes that uh, Carmelo Anthony will waive his no trade clause and leave the New York Knicks, and it also presupposes that New York would want anything to do with with Nick Batum. I think that's oh, yeah. the problem. Uh, is the Hornets are stuck <laughs> yeah. with some system players at this point, and they've they've got to hope that they can get some internal development and make small changes externally. I just don't see big changes happening externally on this basketball team. I think they want that. I think they kind of want to will it, but that's like Doug. Hey, man, uh, let's make a deal. You have some good players that I like that you value, but I'm going to give you some guys that didn't play so well. Uh, let's make that happen. I don't think you're going to be too quick to pull the trigger, but, like, who are you going to offer? Uh, up and down for A. Kaminsky, um, a, a Jeremy Lin that plays no defense, uh, Ramon Sessions, uh, we don't even want to talk about that. Uh, well, I like Cody. Like, there, there isn't really much. And uh, you talked about the internal development, and that's where two names come into mind. Cody Zeller and MKG. Like, MKG, okay, you were hurt. You missed a lot of time. You played 81 games. We didn't even expect that. But now, okay, you are healthy. That's almost supposed to be a given. We don't even like to kind of equate that to your development, but sadly, you've had some energy. You've had some energy. So now, we need more. And Cody Zella, I liked Cody Zella because Cody Zella had a really good year. Like, hey, you extend me, and I'm just only going to get better. So Clifford came into the year saying, we need improved distance shooters from guys. And I think this summer, those two guys will have to be able to show they can hit a 15 to 18 footer consistently. All right, let's move on to the draft because Rich Cho will have an asset in terms of a lottery pick, most likely going to be 11th or 12th. Uh, could jump up there into the uh, one, two, or three spot, but it's about a little over a 1% chance of that happening. So you never know. But uh, it looks like 11 or 12 is going to be the spot for. Uh, the Hornets. Um, 
They, now, Rich Cho said they were likely to keep the pick, but that they are keeping all options open in terms of trading up or trading back. Uh, but they would uh, likely keep the pick after trading their first-round pick last season for Marco Bellinelli. Do you think that that's the right move? I've, man, that's a, that's a really good question because I've, I've weighed back and forth with thinking of understanding that Clifford is not big on young guys and, and understanding they're in a win-now scenario. I've, I've kind of thought about, okay, because I've heard that the nice keywords of rim protector, then I looked in the draft and kind of tried to test some things and, I wasn't too sure of that. And then I thought of, okay, well, they, they need a backup point guard, but they also need somebody that can create. Yeah. So, Well, here's the thing, though. I mean, you, you think that way, and I think that that's very fair. But then I look at the Milwaukee Bucks, yeah. and they were a team that was very much in win now. And they turned Thon Maker and Malcolm Brogdon, a second-round pick, into key contributors for their basketball team. Can we uh, can we both give ourselves um, uh, a pat on the back? Because if I'm not mistaken, you were very big on Thon Maker, and I was a huge supporter of Malcolm Brogdon. So and Maker, listen, Maker's think- got a long way to go. He's not, yeah. um, you know, he made he made some great plays in that game one against the Raptors, um, and, and showed a lot of promise. And he is starting technically, but he's not getting a ton of minutes. You know, splitting a lot of that time with Greg Monroe. Um, but Brogdon, uh, I wasn't as high on Brogdon as a lot of people, but I mean, my goodness, um, you know, just turning in incredible numbers for a rookie and a second rounder to boot. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Milwaukee proves that you can do it. I mean, you can, you can draft effectively and then work these players into situations. And I think, you know, they've got veterans that can help those players get up to speed very quickly. So, yeah, I think I think they absolutely should keep the pick. And and as David said, be ready on draft day for anything. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's what do you – I know he says that they draft best player available and uh, they may draft the, the player that Michael Jordan all of a sudden wants. Um, but if they do draft for need, I think the two big needs that they could fill – are backup point guard, but they would have to, I think, trade up because a lot of those yes. point guards that are are coveted uh, are are going to fall in that top ten. Um, but if they could, fi- if they fall in love with a Dennis Smith, um, they could, you know, make some maneuvers and trade up to get that pick. But it's like, do you? I think it, it does go back to we've seen Steve Clifford have some issues trusting uh, young point guards. Um, in the past, so would that situation come up again? But uh, how much we'll we'll end on this? How much of the blame for this season do you put on Rich Cho? And do you think it's it's playoff series win or bust for him next season? I do, and to be honest, I don't. I don't put a ton of pressure on Rich Cho, and and this is why, as far as last, excuse me. I'm a lot of the blame on last season. So I believe it was, what, the 2012-2013 season or 13 going into 14, you know, people were there, were, there was conversation of, okay, you know, Cho and Clifford are on the same page. You need, you need to have those two guys on the same page. It's how you want to build your roster. And what I think people have failed to realize is that Clifford, you know, wanted some of these guys on this roster. So yeah, I think Clifford Richard, was. Yeah, I think Clifford was uh, very much a part of bringing Roy Hibbert yeah. into the organization. 
and you say, okay, you're the Clifford, you're the coach. I trust you. My goal is to give you a strong roster that you can that you can place in winning situations. So you want Marco Bellinelli, you want Roy Hibbert, you want Ramon Sessions back, you want Nick Batum and Marvin Williams. Hey, I, I gave you these guys. These are what you these are the guys you wanted, and I gave you these guys. Now, did these guys underperform? Do I think Clifford could have been better in some in some phases of his game? Yes, because we've talked about that at multiple points throughout the season. Um, but I do not give this season totally on Cho. I think that's very lazy. And a lot of people have just been like, oh, well, Cho needs to go. Cho hasn't done this, this, and this. And I think, hey, has Cho been the greatest? No, but he has not been awful. And he's done some things that have been good, but it just did not work out last season. I think it is playoff series win or bust for him next season because yeah. that's been the goal for so long, and they took a giant step back by not even – it would have been okay to only make the playoffs this season and not get the win because they were clearly, by signing Marvin, by signing Nick, they were clearly looking to next season because it wasn't – you know you sacrificed a lot of what you could do cap-wise – with your bench. So I think that, you know, they could have surprised people. That was obvious. They obviously wanted to win a series, you know, this season. Um, But I just don't think that that was a reality. But I think next season, that's why I think you could see the fact that Rich Cho is only extended through uh, the end of next season. Uh, The fact that they, they do desperately want to win a playoff series. I think you could see some major changes in this roster because the pressure is on. The pressure is on to do something. And I really think the only player that's safe at this point is Kimball Walker because I think that, that that's the that's the franchise player, that's the player they want to build around. Um, but I, I'm prepared. What I'm saying, Justin, is that I'm preparing myself for anything at this point. I'll give you the final word. Oh, yes, I, I agree. And I don't, I don't know if I dodge that question. I mean, dodge that answer, but I, I do agree with you. This is next season they have to win a playoff series. And, and we've been talking about this for – and before, I think this is good because you got to take steps, I feel like, in your franchise. So before, they were the Bobcats. They were the joke. Nobody cared. You bring in a coach, you get the Hornets name back. People are excited. People, people are hopeful. People are like, yo, I like this team. I like what we have going. And that next step is, okay, you have excitement. Um, you have some talent. Yeah, you can't be now good year, bad year, good year, bad year. That's what Steve Clifford can't said at it. his press conference. Yeah, that's not a way to build a winning culture. That's not a way to get mm-hmm. fans you know, consistently back in the seats. Hey, real quick before we go, I want to tell everyone some key dates that are coming up that you want to pay attention to. April 23rd, that's the NBA early entry eligibility deadline. So we're going to get all of those players that want to test the waters. That's the deadline that they have to declare, hey, I want to test the waters for the NBA draft. And then June 12th, that's when the NBA draft early entry entrant withdrawal deadline. Say that three times fast, but that's the day, June 12th, when you have to say, okay, I'm going to the NBA or I didn't hire an agent, so I'm going to head back to college. And then May 9th through the 14th, that's the NBA draft combine. So we're going to get measurements. We're going to see how high these guys can jump and how fast they can run. And then May 16th, the NBA draft lottery. We'll find out where exactly the Hornets will land uh, in that NBA draft. And then June 22nd, the NBA draft. And July 1st through the 17th, NBA Summer League. Rich Cho saying that Johnny O'Brien, Briante Weber, um, and... One other player that I'm missing, Travion Graham. Travion Graham, will all head to Summer League uh, and possibly their first and second round picks as well. 
Uh, so yeah, some interesting dates there. And of course, you can always, if you're subscribed to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, you're going to get updates and analysis of all of those key dates throughout the summer. Uh, thanks, Justin, for joining us here for, for uh, that good analysis of Rich Cho. We'll have you back soon. Oh, I can't wait, man. I can't wait. There should be some uh, good things going up. But also yeah, we gotta, well, we're going to get you back on to talk about the, what, whatever happens with the NBA MVP, because I know you're a big Harden guy. I'm a big Westbrook guy, so we'll, we'll duel about that and, and to talk about the NBA playoffs. So, so much to talk about. We'll, we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks so much for listening uh, to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter, subscribe and rate us on iTunes, and shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts. I know a few of you already have, and we have them, and we're going to talk about them tomorrow. Uh, we're back again with uh, David. For Justin, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. It's official. Podcasts are where advertisers want to be. More and more people are listening to podcasts every day, and studies show that podcast listeners are some of the most engaged consumers out there. If you have a business or service, consider a sponsorship on Locked On Hornets. Rates are affordable, and you'll be supporting the best Hornets talk anywhere. Send an email to buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com for more information. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.